0: Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us for the 539 Church Podcast. 539 is a church in Goodyear Heights seeking to invite people into Jesus's family. If you're in the Northeast Ohio area, we'd love to have you join us for one of our Sunday morning gatherings. For more information about us, including our service times, address, and live stream information, please go to 539.church or look us up on Facebook or Instagram. If you guys have a Bible, would you find it and turn to Luke chapter 10 is where we're going to be this morning. Luke chapter 10, Uh, if you don't have a Bible, uh, there should be one in front of you, page 816. If you're new to this whole thing and you don't have one, that's a gift that you can have. If you don't have one, just take it. Uh, We won't tackle you for stealing. That is our gift to you. Uh, If you don't have any of that stuff and this is new for you, it'll be on the Sky Bible as we say on the wall. Uh, We are in this series, You're Not Alone, and really what we're covering is this idea of anxiety and depression and really this mental health mess that we find ourselves in. And last week, Craig, you guys found out about Craig, and you're like, where's he at this week, right? I know. So he did a great job kicking us off, talking from Matthew 6, and if you're new, you can find that uh, on our YouTube channel and things like that to catch up to speed. But as we jump into today's passage, a few things. Before we do that, uh, that I just want to say, and as we jump into this, to kind of continue this series and this conversation uh, on anxiety and not being alone, the first thing that needs to be said is this, that us as pastors, as we jump into this idea, um, we are not professionals, meaning that we are not counselors, we are not psychologists, and there are certain times that um, there are more professionals needed in this area, that anxiety and uh, depression is a multifaceted issue. And uh, we come at it as pastors, obviously, from a spiritual issue from the Bible. And we are uh, in no way saying that you shouldn't uh, seek out counseling and things like that, that there are times when that is very much needed. And so we want to say that. We talked about this past week at our small group, and it was just apparent that we need to address that. but. Coming at it from a spiritual perspective, as this series kind of unfolds uh, today, we're going to talk about distraction and next week we're going to talk about relational anxiety and then how it is very spiritual and the spiritual anxiety that we take on and then some circumstances and things like that. But um, to answer the question of why, why would we take five weeks and kind of tune everything out and address this issue of anxiety? Why would we? Um, I think it's very obvious, no one here uh, would say that it's not an issue, but the question is why? Why is it maybe more of an issue today? Uh, what, what happened? Is it just because COVID hit us and we're coming out of that? Is it just because our political climate is a disaster and there's so much anxiety about that? Is it just because of phones or is it just because of screens? Is it, what, what really is the case and why? Why is it more prevalent today maybe than it was back then? Or are we deceived in thinking that our generation uh, struggles more with this than previous generations? Are we really the only ones uh, that have dealt with stress and anxiety and things of that nature? Those are things we're trying to cover in this series. And really, you're not alone. And the reason we've titled it that is for three reasons. Number one, God is very near. The Bible says he is near to the brokenhearted. Even if you don't want God to be near, for those who don't even want God to be close, the Bible says when you're brokenhearted, he's near to you. That God is very near. If you feel alone, that's a lie that the devil would love for you to believe. Number number two, you're not alone, meaning you have a family that is available to you. One of the things the enemy continues to lie and kind of preach over you in the sermon you'll hear over and over again in your own mind and heart is that you're the only one. That no one else struggles with sin like you do. No one else feels the way you do. And if you told anyone, that they would gasp and make fun of you and think you're dumb and all that type of stuff. That God is near and there's a family that is with you. And the, the third reason is <clears throat> we as a people need to get better at helping other people. And I'm going to come at some of you in a few weeks, and I won't tell you which week, but there are some of you, you add anxiety to others. You talk to them, and they just get more anxious, and really, uh, there's some things that need to be said for those of you that pile on anxiety, and you don't even realize you do it, so we will talk to you in a few weeks. But um, in this idea, before we jump into uh, Luke chapter 10, I want to answer three questions. Three questions. The first one is this. What? Is anxiety, what is it? Because it's hard to define. Even if I were to ask you to give me a definition, some of you couldn't do that. Is anxiety, how how do you gauge it? How do you know it's bad? How do you know it's gone? I think for a lot of you, you'd be able to say, I can't define what it is, but I can tell you when I have it. And I can tell you when I don't. Anxiety in its simplest form is just an emotion. It's an emotion, it's a feeling it's something that you can't really control. You don't wake up this morning thinking, okay, anxiety, come on. You don't, you don't do that, but it just kind of hits you, and when it hits you, you don't know what to do with it. In a basic form, I think all of you could resonate with this. Anxiety is this feeling of being overwhelmed. It paralyzes you, right? It catches you, and you don't even know if you want to get out of anxiety once you start to feel it. And then on top of that, I think in a simple form, we could say this. It's not the fear of missing out is what a lot of people would say a generation was caught by fear of missing out. It's the fear of messing up. You're anxious that you're going to be the one that screws up. You're anxious that you're going to be the one that gets caught. You're anxious that you're going to be the one that doesn't do what God wants you to do. You think God is setting traps for you to mess up. It's the fear of messing up. Like you're going to screw your life up really fast and it catches you in this anxiety. And number two, can I walk with Jesus and still have anxiety? Can I walk with him and still have anxiety? Is anxiety a sin? Is it a sin? I would debate that anxiety is not a sin because it's an emotion. The Bible says in Ephesians 4 that you would be angry and not sin. That anxiety, I believe Jesus, the night before he went to the cross, uh, the way he was going through such turmoil was a form of anxiety. It says, uh, there's a church leader in the Bible, he says, I am anxious for all the churches, that there's a good kind of anxiety. If you want to please God, that's a good kind of anxiety. It says in Romans 8 that the creation is, there's an anxious longing for the return of Christ, that it's a, it's a good kind of anxious. But can I follow Jesus and have it? And how do I learn maybe to cope with it, or for some of us to medicate it just enough to where you can actually answer this question. Is a peace-filled life possible? Is it possible? Or was it just for people back in the heyday when Jesus rose from the dead? Or was it just for people when they didn't have phones and distractions and all this kind of mess going on? Or was it just for before COVID, then you could really walk with peace? Is it possible Is it possible to have this peace-filled life where you wake up and your first emotion is not anxiety? When you have a conversation with someone and they dump it on, they take the gas can, they just pour on anxiety. Is it possible to fight against it and not to let it ruin your life? I think a peace-filled life is possible. And I think it's going to take a little bit more than lavender in your life and in my life to deal with it. Some of you are laughing, but you got candles all over your house. I know you do. I've been there. So you, you, you're trying to figure out how is it possible. So my prayer for this series has been very much so when you talk about anxiety, you've got to be careful. Because what you can do is you can create a bunch of people who feel that way. Which is very true. Trust me, you are talking to a fellow anxious brother up here. We all just feel that way. But the goal of it is not that we all just learn that we feel that way and we're all a bunch of messes, which we are. But the goal is that at the end of it, you're a more peace filled person. You see, I think Jesus has something different for his followers. I think that the the kind of anxiety you and I live with is not normal. It's not normal. It crosses over into sin when it rules our life. It reigns in our life. It's not the peace of Christ that would reign in our heart. It's our anxiety, and it paralyzes us. And this is kind of how I'll define this today or in this series. Anxiety Anxiety positions and conditions our hearts to be disappointed. It just conditions it. It positions it. Things are going to go really bad. If you're an anxious person, you like to say things like this. I knew this would happen. You want to be the one who says it. I knew it would be terrible. I knew this would happen. I knew my life would fall apart. I knew it. You you condition and you position your heart to be disappointed. And really, I don't think that's at all what Christ has for us. I think anxiety, if you could wrap your mind around it, it assumes the worst about everyone else. It assumes the worst about God, and it assumes the worst about your situation. Everything's terrible. The sky is falling. Things are going to get really bad, and you better get ready. That's called anxiety. Some of you are laughing. You're like, I said that to my dad last night, right? You, you feel this type of way, and it's, I don't think it's at all what God would have for you. And peace, if we could define it, would be this. Believing God knows best regardless of the outcome. Sometimes when I talk to someone who is very, very anxious, I have to say things like this, and I have to say this to myself, hey, if something goes bad, you should just assume that God knew it was going to happen, and he had you there for a reason, and it's going to be okay, because... Peace, having this more than just a feeling or an emotion, it's believing. And when you believe something, it actually changes how you operate and think about life and your kids and your parents and all this stuff we're anxious about and money and future and all this. When when you start to realize, hey, God knows best. He's been around for a long time. You want to know how long I've been around? I'm not going to tell you. But you've been around for less than God. And God kind of knows. So when you start to believe God, you know best. I don't, and I'm gonna position my heart to believe that you know what you're actually doing, and I do not, and so it says in John 10, Jesus says this, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal joy from your life. He wants to kill, and he wants to destroy everything good that God has for you. It's an active pursuit he's doing, but the good news is Jesus says I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly, Amen. meaning have it to the full. Is that possible? Yeah. Some of us, you, you may believe it and you might not, and you might think, well, that's for other folks and that's for other people. You're in a season where you're just so overwhelmed, so packed, so full, so stressed. You don't even know how, what, what would an abundant life even look like? Well, hopefully, hopefully, not just today, but over the next couple of weeks, you can start to see, hey... I've been giving anxiety, I receive anxiety, and I know nothing of this peace that God has for us. So we're gonna jump into Luke chapter 10 this morning, and really what we do here, if you're new uh, to here, or the Bible, what we say is we try to get under the book, meaning we just place that sucker right over our heads and we just say, hey, if I'm thinking something different, uh, I'm probably wrong. We just kind of take the Bible and says what it is, and we try to live by it. So I have three things today. Number one, In Luke chapter 10, family reveals and can heal. Family reveals and can heal. So let's look at Luke chapter 10, verse 38 and 39. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. So there's a few things to pull from these two verses. You have a family dynamic going on here, and so why we're saying family reveals, it always reveals, and it can heal, uh, because there are six different Marthas in the Bible. We're not going to cover all those. We don't have time. But this is the third Martha, or the Martha, or the Mary of Bethany, sorry, Mary of Bethany. And Mary of Bethany, they believe, is around two miles east of Jerusalem. This is now going to enter into the week before. The Holy Week, or Jesus decides to go to the cross for us. And in this, uh, Mary is someone who is a little bit more laid back. She's a little bit more chill. Martha is the, the frantic one who's always busy, always doing stuff. And really, Mary has this idea about her in other portions of the Bible where she was known. She would see Jesus in one scenario, and everyone's doing stuff. Everyone's running around, and she stopped And she gets on her feet and she takes her hair with her tears and she would clean his feet. Everyone else was busy and frantic. And Martha is kind of like some of us in the room. She's a little bit more anxious, she's a little bit more busy. And so, one way we could say this is Martha had a reputation of doing and acting, and Mary had a reputation of devotion. She had a reputation of devotion. And here's how you need to think through this from a family dynamic. If I wanted to find out dirt about you, um, I could easily talk to your brother, your sister, or your parents, right? Because family has a way of revealing things. If you want to find out dirt about me, not that there is any dirt, you could ask my brother, you could ask my sister, or my family, right? Because family just knows. Because you can only pretend... You can only act, you can only play the part for so long, and after a certain amount of time, family will reveal because once you get so tired and so annoyed and so frustrated and into the end, you just start to be who you really are, right? And family does this dynamic, right? It just reveals, but it can heal. And Mary had this reputation of attention and devotion. It was her reputation that she would give Jesus attention And she would give Jesus devotion. Martha had a reputation of action and doing. And here is what is difficult about this whole situation. In every family dynamic, don't you need both? You need both. Some of you might be sitting there saying, yeah, my sister, she does nothing at the family gathering. She sits there. She talks. She doesn't help clean. She doesn't help do anything. She didn't bring anything. She didn't help mom with nothing. Right? And some of you are thinking like, that is not me, and it might be you. But then the other part of you might be saying, man, why are they so hard to talk to? They're all, you're always talking to them, and they're looking at the person behind them, they're like, yeah, yeah, and they're leaning over, looking to see who else is there. A family dynamic, and here's what is true also. In all family dynamics, you need both. If, and as a church, as a church family, if we are full of Martha's, is that a good thing? Yeah, because they kind of do a lot of stuff. If you're full of Marys, is that a good thing? Yeah, they, they don't do a lot, but they're gonna pull us, a, pull us in and help us focus on Christ. Now, um, if you have too many Marys, too many Marys, you're in trouble. And if you have too many Marthas, you're also in trouble. But here is what happens when a family can heal. Because when you're around family, and even church family after a certain period of time, things will start to come to the surface. They'll start to, to come to the top. And when they start to come to the top, you start to realize, hey, maybe I've been doing too much. Or maybe I've been sitting too much. When you're around a family, it can bring the perfect balance and it can heal. And this story continues. And number two, I wanna talk about this idea. If we serve for attention, we typically, or we think we're alone. Or we could say it this way, if you serve for attention... You actually might end up getting it. Sometimes you have to ask yourself the question, why do you serve or why do you sit or what is the point of any of that? And it goes on in verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving. You see, a lot of us are distracted with a lot of things. Some of us distract ourselves so that we don't have to actually sit and deal with ourselves. She distracts herself with much serving. She's doing, she's running, she's running errands, she's doing stuff for other people, so much so that she can't sit. And she came up and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. If you serve for attention, you might end up thinking you're alone. Or if you serve for attention, you might actually end up getting it. And here are a few things we want to pull from this verse in Luke 10:40. There's a few things that Mary gets right, and there's a few things she gets wrong. Anytime you're following Jesus, there's things you're gonna get right, and things you are gonna get wrong. Let's first give the good news. What is she doing right? She's serving Jesus. She invited him in. Hey, come into my house. I got a meal, I got stuff for you, I wanna serve you, and she's running around. And I mean, without Mary, what happened? Jesus doesn't even get invited. And she also gets this right Tell my sister to tell her then to help me. You see, there's a principle here from a family dynamic. Don't you think Martha could tell Mary, Psst, Martha, help me? But what does she realize? Guess who gets people to serve, you or does Jesus? She gets the fact right. She's like, hey, Jesus, and you think Martha can hear? You think they they can hear each other? Yeah, she realizes that she can't play the Holy Spirit. She realizes, hey, if Mary is going to serve, it's gonna have to be Jesus, so she goes up to Jesus. Tell her then to help me. And then she gets two things wrong. So she gets two things right and two things wrong. Here's what she gets wrong. Lord, do you not care? What she doesn't know is in 1 Peter 5, it says, cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. He cares for you. So she's going to Jesus, do you not care? And Jesus is like, whoa, 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 Martha, do you not know that I care for you? You see, often when you're serving and distracted, and you're trying to shut things out in your head, God often brings things back right to you and says, hey, whoa, 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 before we talk about your sister, before we talk about your brother, before we talk about your parents, before we talk about your kids, before we talk about your finances, before any of that stuff, I want to talk to you. And do you not know that I care for you? What Martha doesn't know is one monkey doesn't stop the show. So about four of you knew that, right? So she thinks... She's the one actually doing everything. And here's also what she gets wrong. But let's not be too hard on Martha, but we have to because of the passage. Left me to serve alone. Tell her then to help me. You see, when you start to serve a lot for God, and you start to do a lot of things for God, you start to believe the lie that you are alone, no one is there to help me, and you start to believe if someone is going to serve, it's to help me. Isn't it to serve Jesus? Tell her then to help me. Because when you're serving alone and you're doing stuff and you're running around, you're thinking, hey, come and help me. And Jesus, I think, wants to say, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. I thought this was about me. When you serve a lot, you start to think you're alone, and you start to think it's about you. If you serve to get attention, you might actually end up getting it. And here is this idea I want to talk about just for a moment. If we we focus on how much we do and what others don't do, we will miss what we've been called to. When you start to focus on, hey, look at what I'm doing. I'm all alone. No one helps me. I'm the only one doing it. I'm the only one that's running. I'm the only one making it happen. You'll start to think, man, they don't do this. I'm the only one doing this. You will miss what God's called you to. And here is what the truth of this kind of story is. God is trying to get to the heart. Because when you're distracted, there's, we'll talk about in a second, there's things going on that you would rather not deal with. And God says, hey, well, this is a personal relationship, and I've called you to something. And the call is to be obedient, even if it's to serve or to sit. And it's personal let's continue on in the passage luke 10 41 and 42 but the lord answered her martha martha and when he says the name twice in the bible it's 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 a meaning of care and also like he's kind of slowing down and i think it's acceptable for you to for those of you who are anxious you could insert your name or you could say michael michael martha martha you are anxious you're anxious And troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Which is this third point. The right portion is where peace is found. You see, we all have a portion that we can take, there's a portion that we can deal with, and there's where peace actually can be found. If you pull back up verse 41 and 42. You are anxious. You are troubled about many things. You see, we live in a time where being busy is actually really trendy. It's just really cool. I mean, when's the last time you talked to someone and they didn't say, slammed, can't even, I mean, can't even do this, right? You talk to people. It's just because there's a few reasons that that happens. I think primarily because it's cool. Um, You want to, it's a part of projecting importance, Right, I mean, try to talk to someone, not after this sermon, but another day, when they would say, man, honestly, a ton of free time on my hands. I I just, I don't know what to do with my life. That's not happened in our time. We're busy, we're slammed, there's many things, many things we're anxious about, many things, because we wanna project importance, and we also wanna feel important. And when the busy you are, you're kinda like Martha, you kinda feel important, you're doing things for Jesus, amen, right, got one in the back. Here's how this plays out, many things. Ask yourself this question, what are you anxious about? What are the many things, and the list could go on. It's your kids, I mean, no one's had to raise kids like we're going to have to raise kids, right, in this generation, I mean, it's worse than it's ever been, maybe, I don't know. Some of you, you're anxious about finances, it's never been more uncertain than it is today. You maybe are saying those things. Maybe if you are anxious about your job or the future, it's never been more uncertain. You don't want to make a decision. You feel paralyzed. And maybe you're anxious, like we said, about the political climate. I don't know what we're going to do. It's going to be terrible. No one's going to know. You're just anxious all the time. What are the many things that you are anxious about? Or who are the people you're anxious about? Often, we're anxious about other people because we're losing control. We start to be anxious about our parents. We start to be anxious about our family. We start to be anxious about someone where we have believed the lie that we have control over something. And then when we start to lose control in our grip, we start to get anxious because we want to pull tighter. But often when we come to Jesus with open hands, here's what happens. One thing is necessary, which is kind of weird to say, Jesus. I want to talk to him about this question. Why would you say one thing? There's multiple times in the Bible it says one thing, right? In one thing, what's the most important? Is it to love God? Is it to love neighbor? Is it to read your Bible? Is it to pray? Is it to do that? He says one thing is necessary because often when your mind is so distracted to get your attention, he will say this one thing is necessary. Meaning, listen to me, Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken from her. You see, Jesus says this in John 14, 26, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I'm going to read it again, because sometimes when we read the Bible, we just kind of read it, but let's read it again. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you, Let not your hearts be troubled nor let them be afraid because fear, control, anxiety all kind of take a bath in the same tub and they all just make their bed. And here's what he says, not as the world gives, meaning there will be false lies and dichotomies and perceptions that people will say, if you want to feel better, do this. If you want to get rid of anxiety, just do this or download this app or adapt this habit or do this. And Jesus says, hey, there's a peace that I have that no one else has And here's also what I want to say is this. We can either take a portion in problems or we can sit in his presence. Because when Jesus is in the room, you and I have a decision to make. We can say, Jesus, did you hear about this? Did you hear what she did? Did you hear what she said? Let me go get something for you. And you run over and you come back. Jesus, did you hear about this? You start getting anxious. And I bet you, I bet you, I don't know if this is true, but I bet you Mary... Couldn't, or Martha couldn't put her phone down long enough, couldn't shut the screen off long enough, couldn't sit with God alone for long enough just to hear what he had to say. I don't think she had a phone. Maybe she did. We'll find out in heaven. But anyway, <clears throat> there's this idea of being distracted by many things. So you can take a portion in problems or you can sit in his presence because when you sit in God's presence, he will start to, re- you'll start to realize, hey, God is in control. He's in control, and I have no control. So you come to Jesus with open hands, and you kind of just give it to him. And when you take a portion in your problems, you'll always find more. And here's the hard part of dealing with this anxiety or this idea of not being alone. Distracting ourselves is always easier than dealing with ourselves. It's always easier to distract ourselves to become busy or anxious with many things is always easier to sit there long enough to sit with Jesus long enough to realize we have his undivided attention you see i think there's a principle that is happening here that jesus is going to give to the woman the women what he wants from them as well he's giving his undivided attention Undivided, hey, I'm, I'm in your house, I'm sitting here to eat, I'm with you, you have all that you want for me right now, but he is going to need that to be reciprocated. Undivided attention, undivided devotion. When I was probably five, six, seven, I don't know the exact age, um, what we would do is we would lie, right? Shocker. We would lie and we would fake sick on days very specifically, And when we would fake sick, you know, wake up, I don't feel good, right? And you're so sick. And then by 10 o'clock, like, honestly, I feel fine. And we would do this game to where when we were younger, what we would do is we'd fake sick and then we'd go over to our family business and then we'd be there with the family. And then we did it on specific days that we knew dad was going to an auction or a sale because we wanted to do this. This is what we'd do. We'd lie. We'd fake sick and then we'd go, we'd clock in, act like we were working, and then we'd go sit in the truck and hang out for eight hours. And here's what would happen. When we would do that, you would realize later on and looking back, you still realize you get more done when you sit with dad than when you do things for dad. Why do you get more done? Because you get to sit. Because you get to sit and realize, hey, this isn't about accomplishing. This isn't about approval. This isn't the more I do, the more I get done, the fastest I go, the more people like me, the more I, my perception and project. It's not about any of that. It's about Sitting. It's about sitting and eliminating distractions. You see, and this is, a few people asked asking me about this chair and I didn't know how else to illustrate this. But <clears throat> we'll kind of wrap up with this idea. Now I gotta turn back because you're to my back. But here's how this plays out. A lot of us think that we would have more peace if we were more active. That we'd have more peace if we showed God we really loved him. That we would have more peace If we could get more stuff done and we could wake up at a certain time and we could get everything done. You see, if you talk to a counselor today or if you uh, talk to any psychologist, what they're going to say people with the most anxiety, the first antidote they give is this you need to reestablish daily habits, daily routines, which I think is helpful and I think is good. But as followers of Christ, you want to know what our daily habit is? You want to know what our daily routine is? It's just sitting with dad, it's just sitting with him. It's just sitting right here and saying, hey, I am so anxious. I'm so stressed. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how to find peace anymore. I don't think I can get through this. I'm so overwhelmed. I don't know where to go. I'm just exhausted. I haven't had joy. I haven't had any of that. I don't know where to go anymore. I feel like it's not hitting home. It's out there. It's not here. God, would you help me? And the longer you sit here, it says this in Psalm 16, 11 you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. It's in his presence, not in our problems, not in what we can muster up, not in what we can accomplish, not in what we can do. It's coming to God and saying, hey, I need help. And here's what Jesus does because he is so good. He doesn't come to add weight, to make it harder for you to do more, to be better, to shape up, to get your life together. He doesn't do that. What he says is this. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. All who are anxious, all who are tired, all who are burdened, all who don't have the answers, all who feel like a mess, come to me and you will find rest for your souls. Where is that in 2022? Rest, real legitimate peace from God. And he says this. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Meaning this, my teaching is not do, be more, better. It's believe and rest that you would come to me and you will find strength and healing for your souls. You're not alone. And to believe the lie that you are alone is not from God. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for Luke chapter 10 and the reminder that it gives us, Lord, that we are distracted about many things. God, for some of us, we haven't felt peace that you give in years. God, we're so anxious, and Lord, I believe you've called us to something more. Lord, I ask that you would give us a peace that surpasses all understanding. God, in the midst of turmoil and things in our lives and so much uncertainty, you don't promise to give us certainty. You promise to give us peace in the midst of uncertainty. And God, for some of us, we just need to sit at your feet. We need to hear from you. It's not necessarily a song we need to hear again, a sermon we need to hear again. It's we need to, we need more of you, God. So, Lord, I ask that you would minister to us. Lord, I pray that you would help us to find strength in you, that we wouldn't take portion in our problems, but we would have the good portion in Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Just for you guys to know, you can stand as we're going to sing a few more songs together. Go ahead and stand with us. And up here, just like last week, as Craig said, this is open. Uh, If you need prayer, if you need help, no pressure. Don't be anxious about those around you. But if you just want to come and sit and pray, and we'll be here to pray with you as we sing these last few songs together.